everybody. Welcome to episode 549 of Good Luck High Five. That's right. You're listening to a podcast that's for you if you play magic or if you love Lord of the Rings now. That's yes. a thing. Or if you love Doctor Who. Yes. Or if you love fairy tales. Yes. We're here for you. I'm one of your hosts, Maria. I'm another one of your hosts, Megan. And on today's episode, we are new and I was going to say fresh back from Barcelona, but... I am the least (laughs) fresh I've ever been in my life. I feel like fresh is not the word that I should say in this instance, you know? I have have never been farther from fresh. (laughs) I love that song, Farther From Fresh. From Fresh. By the Indigo Girls, you know? (laughs) A a classic. Absolute classic. (laughs) Yeah, international travel will leave you feeling like a sardine. Um, that's uh, uh, expired on the shelves of your favorite yes. grocery store. Um, but here we are, uh, one day after returning from Barcelona and Pro Tour, The Lord of the Rings. And we are going to let you in on all the hot goss from the Pro Tour draft, modern, what's been happening in the top eight. What yes. was it like at MagicCon Barcelona? Oh, Who man. ate the best food? Who oh. had the best sangria, etc. I mean, spoiler alert, we all did. The answer is everyone. (laughs) It was one heck of a time over in Barcelona. Um, We saw so many of our friends and... uh, we, I signed something for fans. We we just had a blast. It was a great yeah. tournament overall. And we're going to get into everything, all, all the highs, all of the non-existent lows that was PT Barcelona. <laughs> it was like so, it was so great that every time someone that I hadn't seen in forever was like, how are you? I was just like, I'm great. There's no other answer that I could give you at this moment because I'm in Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, Barcelona, like it erases a lot of the of the bad from your life just yes, automatically by really being does. in its presence. So we'll tell you all about it, everybody, um, and get you up to speed on what on what happened this past weekend. Um, but before we do that, thank you to everybody who's a patron of the show over on patreon.com slash GLH of magic. Yes, thank you so much. To everyone uh, who's a patron of the show, you know, you keep this show alive. It's true. It would be like a, it would be like a, a Barcelonan fish flopping on the sand out of the ocean, gasping for air without you. Y- yep. Yeah. It's a really without disturbing you, metaphor. We are fish, sands water. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. And we want you to become a friend of the show for as little as a dollar a month um, over on patreon.com slash GLHF magic. Get a, a, a load get a load of our Discord. <laughs> get, a, get a load of this Discord. <laughs> get a load of our Discord, uh, the best magic community that exists, IMO. Uh, and know that you're supporting content that you love. It's just a great way to interact with the community and keep it alive and thriving, not like a fish gasping for air. Uh, sorry, I put that visual into your head. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's pretty disturbing, but you know. Here we are. Here, um, here we are. Thank you as well to our sponsor, Card Kingdom. Yes, cardkingdom.com card kingdom. slash GLHF, the place to go for all of your card needs. If you saw some of the preview panels from MagicCon Barcelona and you're like, I need to get my hands on those, the best place to pre-order them is going to be Card Kingdom. Yeah, uh, the Commander Masters, you can pre-order that now on Card Kingdom if you're interested in any of those super sweet uh, pre-con Commander decks. We're also happy to report that Card Kingdom um, supported their new union contract with their workers. Congratulations to the Card Kingdom union! I know, it's so exciting, and we couldn't be prouder to be sponsored by a company that supports unions and supports its workers in forming this union. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like, honestly, we talk about unions a lot on the show and everything and how important they are. Honestly, it's true. <laughs> uh, for a magic podcast, we talk about unions, like, a, a lot. We do. We do. <laughs> and, like, wow, I'm just so proud, you know. I'm just so proud that they're our sponsor. And we're like, hey, we're sponsored by the cool company that supports unions and believes yes. in them. You know, like, I don't know. That just makes me very happy. Exactly. So, go get some cards from Card Kingdom and then go watch an A24 film. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that sounds like a banger of a day. Honestly, if that I'm sounds like a really you. good time. I was like, that's going to be a good day. Um, if you're wondering why we are recording virtually, we just are back from Barcelona and we're playing it safe. Re-COVID exactly. protocols. You never, you never know these days. You just days. never know. So best to play it safe. Um, we'll be back in the studio next week, hopefully, and be having a blast back yeah. in our digs here in Minneapolis. Um, and letting you all know about all the new cool and awesome stuff that has been revealed over the past few weeks as far as so Magic much is stuff. concerned. Because it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. It's a lot. We had so many weeks of the upkeep where it was like, I don't know, like two things happened. <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing happened. No, nothing happened. And now so much has happened. A lot happened. So good luck, High Five, is your one-stop shop. The upkeep will be back next week to recap everything. But we're going to go through a lot of the news on this show this week for you, too. So all right. Don't worry. Let's do it. All right, everybody, it's time for the randomizer. We went to scryfall.com and hit the random button. And uh, I'm going to try and guess what this card is without seeing any of its text. Megan has sent me an image that uh, I can only describe as the center of Iron Man's chest. <laughs> Do you know what? That's a, pretty, that's a pretty good description. I mean, what I'm looking at is a green, um, I don't know, jewel brain. It could go either way encased in gold. Um, it's a, it's round, it's a circle. And outside of it is a one, two, three, four, five, a, a hexagon, a blue hexagon made of rock, uh, on a red background with like black oil ooze, whatever, like that's trying to go into it. I want to say it's interested in getting in there. This is um, absolutely a, a close up of Iron Man going bad. Yeah. This is Iron Man going bad. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, he's going bad. The evil juice is seeping in. Um, and <laughs> I don't know, this has to be some kind of like, it reminds me of a signet, right? It reminds me it's, it's going to be called like, is it a signet? I don't know. Is, is it, <laughs> is this a Simic signet? I said the words green and blue, but also what is that red doing? And also what is that weird black grabby oil? <laughs> I thought I knew what all signets looked like, but maybe I don't. Um, this is called Simic si signet gone bad. <laughs> And basically, okay. uh, yeah, it costs two mana and it's an artifact and you can tap it for green and blue. But if you do, your opponent gets an extra black mana on their next turn. Wow. Spicy. <laughs> That's like a pretty spicy card. Simic Signet gone bad. You know, do you want to use it and give your opponent extra mana? Ramp them for free, you know? Well, Maria, you're correct. This is an artifact. Okay. <laughs> but it's a blue artifact. And also this art is by none other than Christopher Rush. Oh, yes. I see the word Rush. He signed it down yeah, in the art right there. at the very, there. very bottom here. Uh, this is called Relic Bind. It's two and a blue for an artifact. When target artifact is tapped, the controller of Relic Bind can choose to do one damage to any player or give one life to any player. Hey, look at that. I, it's, I'm not kidding you. That reminds me of what I just said. It, it is. It is like you get something, I get something. Yeah. Wow. Um, that, was the, that was the original text on the first version in Legends. Okay, sure. Which is when this card came out. I'll give you the what it reads like now, obviously. Okay. Um, enchant. Oh, this is an enchantment for... Never mind. It's not an artifact. It's an enchantment aura for an artifact. What? Okay, I see. 
Um, it says enchant artifact on its old type line. Um, enchant artifact and opponent controls. Whenever wow. enchanted artifact becomes tapped, choose one. Relic bind deals one damage to target player or planeswalker, or target player gains one life. And wow, so they they have to have an artifact in play, or this uh, does stone this cold does nothing. Stone cold nothing, and it also has to be an artifact that you tap to do something. <laughs> Wow, truly incredible. We've had some really um, bad cards on the randomizer uh, as of late, and I couldn't be more proud. This seems like a this seems like a pretty bad card. <laughs> I mean, I'm just getting more and more fodder for our episode on you know the worst magic cards of all time. Oh my goodness, um, truly, this has got to be up there. That's all right, Maria, there. I okay. I am truly so excited to talk about this. <laughs> Talk yeah, about this think? randomizer art that you have sent me. What do you think about this guy? This is amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so we are in like there's two beautiful like Greek columns in the background. There's like a big like dish of f- fire slash smoke, you know, for a forge. And there is um, there's like a big anvil in the foreground. And there is what used to be. I'm going to call it what used to be a man. Yeah, hammering, um, like you know, doing some forging. He's got he's got his hand raised with his hammer in it, and then he's like holding the thing down on the anvil to you know smack it a little bit. Um, but he, uh, at least in from my interpretation of this art, <laughs> he appears to have been turned into a statue in the middle yeah, of this. Yes, that is what I see as well. Like he, also, is he cooking eggs in the background? <laughs> It, is that an omelet? Instead of having a forge, it does look like maybe just like a really big omelet dish. Yeah, it does. Having just come from a place where we ate a lot of paella, it looks kind of like a big paella dish. <laughs> yum. Yes, yum, yum, big, paella. He has a big dish of steaming paella in the background. <laughs> Unfortunately, he will not be able to enjoy it as he is now made of marble and is statue. Hey, poor guy. Um, you know, he is, I do not recommend uh, forging anything topless. But he is not wearing a shirt. Yeah, this would he could get burned. The I'm pretty sure you're high. supposed to wear like a huge leather apron <laughs> to keep yourself from like sparks from literally hitting your chest. He's going to be in some pain later. All right. Um, he's what got he, like what? classic Greek statue hair with those, you know, like curly cue. Like, oh, yeah. You know, his, he has like really nice curls, especially when you look at like this is just my obsession at museums. Do you ever like look at old like Greek marble statues in museums? Um, or any old marble statue, really. And, like, when they have that curly hair and, like, the curls are so defined. It's unreal. It's, like, it's unbelievable the fact that someone was able to, like, carve that out of marble. It is endlessly. What's it like to have that kind of time? You know what I mean? So much time. <laughs> and anyways, I could go on about it. I, I have legitimately... But I have legitimately no idea. I, I truly don't know. I mean, there's a few clues in here, obviously. Yes. But, like, um, I'm how you can go, get it. I'm going to go with this is um, this creature is this is a red white creature. It's called Ivory Smith. Nice. Um, it is a it is a uh, two two for red and white, even though this card is so old that I think that they did not make two twos for two <laughs> in its day. <laughs> um, and I'm going to say um, like it's it's going to say something along the lines of like maybe it's like an enchantment. Um, it's OK. It's it's a red white enchantment. Um, and. Whenever uh, an equipment enters the battlefield, it becomes a two-two <laughs> until end of turn. The wow. end. Wow. Okay. Great. I mean, uh, so you were closer with what you're starting out to say. Oh, okay. But you got the name pretty close. It's called Hyperion Blacksmith. All right. And guess what? This card is also from Legends. So oh. my my favorite set to hit the randomizer with. <laughs> yes. Truly, uh, it is one red red. So you're right. I don't think I would have ever guessed that red was in this card. 
It's a creature human artificer. It is a two-two, so you also got that. All right. Um, but it cares about artifacts, and I think it goes with our other card because tap, you may tap or untap target artifact and opponent controls. <laughs> All right. There you go. Wow. We had we had a lot of like artifact, yeah, artifact related cards today. So like I could have Hyperion Blacksmith in play, and I could put my relic bind on your artifact, and I could make you tap it, and then I could deal one damage to you. Oh my goodness, did we just discover a combo? We discovered a combo in Legends. A Legends combo, everybody. Here and you it go. And doesn't, it doesn't cost anything. I just have to tap him. Yeah, you just tap him. Wow. All yeah. right. And the flavor text on this gentleman, art by Dan Frazier, iconic, uh, is the smith with a mighty... Wait, hold on. <laughs> the smith... Okay. The smith with a... No, no. One more time. The smith, a mighty man is he, with large and sinewy hands, and the muscles of his brownie arms are strong as iron bands. The person who wrote that was thirsty. Wow. We got a poem on a card. Is there any other card that has a poem on it? Yeah, there's some that other rhymes? cards with poems. Okay. I That's love great. That. Um, also, I can't believe that this is supposed to be a real person. This is a statue. No, I, I don't know. I also think he's a statue. I don't understand it. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, why is he made of marble? <laughs> why? Why is this Hyperion Blacksmith made of marble? I guess that explains why he doesn't need to wear his big leather apron, though. Hey, if you played in Legends and know if this was a true combo that you were pulling off at the LGS on Friday night, let us know. <laughs> I truly want to know. <laughs> one of the peaks, uh, one of the peaks, one of the perks of recording from home is that we get to hear Molly on the broadcast, Megan's yes. cat. Yep. She has a lot to say about this episode, honestly. She really does. She wants to talk about Orcish Bowmasters in the modern metagame. <laughs> <laughs> Which was actually not the most impactful card from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, every well, everybody, this tournament was utterly fantastic. Oh. We had... 269 players come to play, which is a lot larger than the previous two Pro Tours uh, this yep. season. And this was the last Pro Tour of the season, too. There's three. This was the last one. And the World Championship will be kind of like the cherry on top of the Pro Tour cake coming up at the end of September. Isn't that right, Molly? Meow. <laughs> 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 She's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and Lord of the Rings, it turned out, had a pretty big impact, as did Modern Horizons 2 yeah. in Modern. Oh, man. I mean, I think everyone, right, Modern Horizons 2, while it while it's, like, come out since the last time we had a Modern Pro Tour, it did come out long enough ago that I think people were pretty, like, aware of its impact on the format. They're like, yep, we've got these elementals that you can evoke, like, these evoke elementals uh, that are super powerful. But Lord of the Rings is like very fresh and people were like, okay, we know Orcish Bowmasters we think is going to be really great. And then um, the one ring looks really, really good. Yeah. And they Guess what? They was. were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns out the one ring really uh, living up to its hype uh, from the Lord of the Rings in, in modern in this tournament this weekend. So the tournament format, everybody, was draft in modern. Mm -hmm. Draft was very fun in the morning. Um, and it turns out that it... <laughs> Molly. Molly's like, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was so fun. <laughs> I think my favorite is that I can see her little voice waveform. <laughs> oh, that's so cute, Molly. It's really cute. It's a little cat voice waveform. <laughs> Oh my god. The th the thing for me the takeaway from draft was that the players really liked the draft format. Mm -hmm. They think it was super fun despite the fact that green 
Um, going into the weekend, everyone's like stone cold unplayable, like never, literally never pick a green card. And when we look back at the data of the draft from the weekend, that data of green being bad is relatively supported. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) And the fact that black is head and shoulders ahead of all of the other colors Mm -hmm. also confirmed. And that like, and that not even like black. Yes. Excellent. But also Racto specifically. Specifically. Yeah. Was, is like, is just very, very good. And it supported that, um, in the day one drafts, like in the draft pods. Yeah. There were twice as many, uh, 3-0 Racto decks as any other. <laughs> just, just wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rakdos turns out what you thought it was good and it is good. Mm, it is. It's pretty good. So before the pro tour starts, um, there's a player party. There's a party for all the players uh, the night before. And it's always so fun to go down there and meet everybody and talk to them. And I was wandering around and I saw Nathan Stoyer, current reigning world champion, pro tour March of the Machine champion. And I'm like, hey, Nathan, what's the secret um, with draft? And his eyes just lit up and he's like, this past week I learned how to draft green. Somebody on my team taught me the secret to doing it. And so I was kind of excited that maybe there would be like, some kind of resurgence of uh, players drafting green, like they figured out the secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really see that, but no. um, Nathan seemed to seems to think that there is a way to do it, and it's by ignoring the food synergy in green and white and just smashing face, and um, by drafting a base black deck with green support and black green. Yeah. Um, uh, we didn't get to see that play out as far as the numbers are concerned, but I was kind of excited, like, oh, maybe we're going to see something totally different that we didn't expect, and then it turned out to be exactly what we expected. It was exactly. <laughs> So just to give you like a little, like kind of just a little snapshot of the 3-0 decks in the very first day of drafting at the Pro Tour. Yeah. There were in fact no 3-0 green-white decks, Maria. Yeah, zero. Stone Cold zero. That was the only color pair that had none. And then in fact, even Simic, which is considered just abysmal. Yeah. Right. I think I want to say that LSV tweeted that he had like basically a perfect green blue deck and he still didn't 3-0 because that color pair is just so atrocious. There was one 3-0 blue green deck. Okay. Okay. So it got in there. Somebody got it. Yeah, exactly. There were three um, blue white decks. Five black white, which was actually, uh, I said twice that for Rakdos and I was actually wrong. So there were six Rakdos 3-0 lists and then five Orzov 3-0 lists. Okay, got it. And those were kind of like the rest that were headed, those were the ones that were head and shoulders above because the next ones we had like three blue white decks, like I just said, we had three red white decks, we had three red blue decks, um, but nothing else came close to the five and six wins of those other ones. Yeah, so it turns out that black being the common denominator between uh, Rakdos and Orzov, giving the boost to those categories as far as 3-0 decks go on day one, was the difference maker. It was the black cards, period. Exactly. Um, I also thought it was... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we saw uh, uh, four and five color lists. We saw Bant, John, Abzan, and Grixis list. Grixis getting three three O's, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to point out that green being a support color in four and five color and in Jund and Bant, um, I mean, it's not not doing anything in those <laughs> lists, probably. So I'll just give a green. I'll throw a green that bone, if yeah, you will. Yeah, they get... 
They get that single solitary bone. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> I, although I do think that it's very cool that there was like, like you said, there was a 304 color list. There was a 305 color list. Yeah. Which this format is fast and like pretty, pretty linear with those Rakdos decks. So it is cool to see people figuring it out and being like, oh, I can make like a cool five color deck work in this. Yes, absolutely. And I just want to also say, so it was astounding to me. We had seven 6-0 drafters. That's incredible. Which, to give you perspective, at the last couple, there have been like two. Right. It's not. It's never seven. No, it's never seven. And I think it really shows that this is a draft format that rewards knowing specifically this format really well. Yes. Right? Like seven 6-0 drafters tells me if you're good at this, you're going to be heavily rewarded even more so than you are in other draft formats. And indeed, uh, two of our, uh, our 6-0 drafters ended up in the top eight, Simon Nielsen and Stefano Vinci. Yeah. Uh, uh, Simon Nielsen went white, black, black, green, and Vinci went Grixis and Esper. So three colors is what Vinci prepared, uh, preferred to draft. Yeah, And, and both again, of them ended in the top eight. Yeah, we saw another 6-0 drafter draft four color one day and then Grixis the next, which is pretty cool. Sick. So again, like none of none of these drafters were just like straight up Rakdos both times. Gab Nassif was one of our undefeated drafters in this tournament. Congratulations to Mr. Yellow Hat himself. And there was a drafter, Sean Goddard, who drafted blue red twice on both. He drafted it both days and three on both days. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Nice. I like that. Do you know, you're like, hey, if it's open in my seat and I know how to draft it, like why the heck not just run it back? Play one way. Play yeah. one way, baby. Sean Goddard almost ended up in the top eight as well. I know. All of these people uh, probably were very close to making top eight based on their perfect draft records, but yeah. m- might have stumbled a little bit more in modern. Um, so congratulations to them. And good news about draft, everybody. It's pretty cool format that you can draft. You know, red, black is the best, obviously, but there's some other cool things that you can do that's yeah. supported by the data at the Pro Tour. So let's kind of change gears here and start talking about modern, which was the meat and potatoes of the tournament. (laughs) It was the second breakfast to our draft. (laughs) Um, And we talked about this on the episode last week, but we hadn't thought about modern in a long time. It had been since 2019, since it was out of Pro Tour. Uh, what the heck was going on in modern? Modern Horizons 2 has been released. Lord of the Rings had been released, like Megan said. So... What were we going to see? The last Pro Tour, Tron won in the hands mm-hmm. of Torolf Severin. What was going to happen this time? So let's take a look at what did happen as far as the metagame was concerned. Yeah. Uh, so Rakdos Evoke, at- number one. Yeah, right there at the top. Um, heading into the tournament, people were like high on this deck. This is the one that has uh, the Evoke Elemental's Grief and Fury. Which I'm just going to put it out there. Do you know what? Like, Grief and Fury is a, actually would be a sick deck name. <laughs> I mean, this is the deck that had been lighting up tournaments prior mm-hmm. to the Pro Tour that was called Rakdos Scam. And it was called Rakdos Scam because you feel like you get scammed when they do the hallmark thing of the deck on turn one, which is uh, evoking grief and then t- ripping a card out of your hand, playing something so that a grief doesn't die, and then doing it again, yeah. stealing another one of your cards and ending up with a 4-3 menace on turn one of the game. That feels like you, you got scammed. Yep. Um, and it's, that's that's fair. It's pretty it's pretty brutal. <laughs> so we were kind of expecting that like, that would be the most played deck, and we were right. Yeah. It was 19.3% of the field with 52 players on it. And 
I got to say, uh, the deck seems strong running Oakish Bowmasters, like you said, Megan. Yeah, the deck did seem really good. Although, you know, spoiler alert, we did only see one copy in the top eight. Yeah, yeah. Which only I think one was made it. certainly less than some people would have been expecting. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it, it didn't show up on Sunday as much as I think we would have thought, but the deck looks good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. The deck is gross and busted if you, you know, get that like, turn one play. It's disgusting. Later on, we'll talk about a little, some of the things that we saw this deck do. Oh, yeah. Which Absolutely. are really good. <laughs> it did some things that you're like, oh, this is, we should talk about this for forever because it was that disgusting. We must we must remember the atrocities that this deck that committed. Were com- that were committed by this deck. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not going to use passive voice that this deck committed. Okay. Yes, uh, <laughs> that, we're com- yeah, that this deck committed. <laughs> the other most popular decks were Four Color Omnath, uh, Rhinos or Crashing Footfalls, that Cascade deck that makes 4-4 four, four Rhinos. Oh, I, you you know like this I one? really enjoyed watching that deck. Like, that deck's pretty cool. It is cool. I agree. Uh Mono Green Tron was in one, two, three, fourth place mm-hmm. with 8.9% of the field. Guess what, everybody? Tron's alive and well. Oh, it is. It is, it is quite thriving. alive. thriving. Yes. <laughs> it is moisturized. It is in its lane and it is thriving. Do you know what, Tron? Whatever else you want to say about it, Tron has always been in its lane. Yeah. That's its thing. Tron, it is, it's never left its lane. Tron is like, do you know what? This is my lane. Yeah, and that I'm gonna, is true. I'm going to stay right inside of it. Uh, after Tron was Golgari Yogmoth, um, a little uh, humans combo kind of deck. I don't know what else to call it. Minus one, minus one counter deck. Yeah. Demir Control after that. Nice. Um, we also saw some Living End decks. I really enjoy yeah. watching Living End. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Okay. Yeah. So as a Boggles player, uh, Living End is my nemesis because you can't you can't beat it. I'm just going to go on record and say Boggles is a 0% against Living End. <laughs> It might be like, it might be higher than that, but I truly don't think it actually is. <laughs> Something has to go like way it's really, really wrong yeah. for living, for Boggles to be living it. I mean like heinously wrong. I mean like you need to draw all lands and then you mulligate it and you get all lands again. Something like that. And even that's not that bad because whatever. Okay. But <laughs> this weekend I was watching this deck mostly played by Gab Nassif because um, we highlighted him a lot on day one of coverage I with mean, this good- deck. Good player. Good player, turns out. Um, and I was like, wait a second. I'm have I'm feeling some feelings right now watching him play this deck. And I'm like, what's what's wrong with me? Like, this is the deck that destroys me in modern, you know. This is the deck that is responsible for killing my family, and yet I'm attracted to it. <laughs> wow. Maria, you are you are living like an angsty YA novel. I know I am. I know I am. This is the sparkly vampire of my dreams. <laughs> uh, that's way too old, and I'm not going to get into it. But living in, I think I might want to play this new version. Wow. It looked very, very cool. What can I say but gasp? I know. Here's what I blame. I blame Marvel Snap. Wait, okay. Uh, Elaborate. Okay. (laughs) So um, Marvel Snap is teaching me to be, to like different kinds of play styles that I wasn't normally liking in Magic. Oh, okay. That's my answer because I am way more willing to play a control deck in Marvel Snap. I'm way more willing to play a combo deck specifically in Marvel Snap. And I found that in Snap, I actually really like playing combo. And 
then I started watching Nassif playing this living end deck and I was like, wait a second. Do I want to play combo in modern? Maria, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> and I think that I just do. And Marvel Snap unlocked it for me. It unlocked my love of combo. Wow. Marvel Snap. Unlocking everyone's inner evil person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly. So we'll see what where we go from here. I might just fire it up on Magic Online and just give it a run or two and see if like this is a true love or if it was just a uh, I just caught some feelings for the weekend, you know what I mean? Are you are you worried that you're not feeling as evil as you used to? <laughs> Drive Marvel Snap. <laughs> Because it is kind of like a microcosm of magic, yeah. you know, in a weird way. You're playing these similar archetypes, you know, and then you're doing it in games that last, you know, five minutes maximum. Yeah. And you're repeating it ad nauseum, speaking of decks that I hate. Uh, <laughs> and you just, I don't know, something sparked in me. So anyway. Wow. Everybody, I felt like I had to get that off my chest. It's been burdened. I've been burdened with it all weekend long. And I'm glad that I finally told you all. <laughs> we Please also, don't hate I me. will say there were some decks that like did that we talked about going into this that did not look good. Yeah. This weekend. Um, we talked about is it Merktide? Yeah, we did. Just kind of failed to perform. Five color creativity. Every time we saw it on camera, it just looked kind of rough. Yeah. Orcish Bullmasters being in the format with five color creativity. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, with creativity decks generally is just bad because yeah. you can just kill their token. Yep, exactly. Like you need that little one one dwarf around and they're just yeah. like, eh, it's pretty easy for me to just flash this in this two mana thing that kills it. Yeah. And Merktide just didn't go anywhere. The tide was not coming in for Is It this weekend. <laughs> um and Jeskai Breach, this is like a like this one I'm kind of sad. This is like a cool, weird, you know, messed up combo kind of deck, and also just like didn't not get in there. Yeah, that combo deck, that's a little too advanced for someone like me that's like, <laughs> I'll pick up Living End. Um, that deck is crazy. Corey Baumeister loved uh, Jeskai Breach, and it did, in fact, win the Secret Lair, the oh. finals of the Secret Lair event at right. MagicCon Barcelona. So, I mean, it did it's a get, cool deck. It did get some results elsewhere. There was also, it's not on this list, yeah. but there was a new combo deck. Yes, there um, was. Brought by some players like Sam Pardee. And uh, LSV. And LSV, who had a Samwise Gamgee kind of like sacrifice combo deck with none other than our old friend Cauldron Familiar. Oh, wow. Get out of town. I hate you. <laughs> Where you could just kind of like go infinite with Sam and Cauldron Familiar and food tokens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that deck ended up performing of about 50%, went 17 yeah. and a perfect 17 and 17. <laughs> uh, but there were, there weren't that many people playing it, yeah. um, to be fair, but, uh, maybe there's something there, you I know? I was going to say, it's also like really fresh in this so that maybe we'll see some other people trying to iterate, seeing if they can find like a more successful version of it. Cause it is always, it's really cool to me when people find a new combo somewhere, yes. you know? Yes. That was just waiting under the surface to be discovered. Exactly. So let's talk about modern win rates um, from day one and two. Everybody at home, if you don't know this, I want you to try and guess what the highest win rate was for a deck in modern. Ooh. Are you ready, everybody? Have you, right. made, have you put your guess in? The answer I just want to tell you may surprise that, you. You're, that you're not going to be emotionally prepared for what we're about to say. 
<laughs> like I just need to, I just need yeah. to put that out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I want you also to know that this is this number. This number is based on one person. Okay, <laughs> only one person, one true hero brought this deck, <laughs> and that is Merfolk. <laughs> Merfolk with an yep. astounding 80% win rate. The lone player brave enough to pilot the little fishy boys went eight and two. Yep. You know, M- Maria. Yeah. It is a fact that cannot be refuted. Yep. That is true data right there. <laughs> true data. Small sample size. One so person. One person went eight and salt. two. 80%. But do you know what? Good on them. Good work, you eight and two player. Uh, we had a couple of people bring Azorius Hammer, with, which also outperformed uh, by going 69.6%, 16 and seven in the yep. modern portion of the tournament. But the people you know playing these uh, struggled in draft, so they didn't end up anywhere near a top eight. But that did very well, too. Yeah, we also saw um, Urza Thopter Sword. <laughs> what a blast from the past. You I know, this right? Deck? Gosh. Pretty cool. Just two people on that, but still 64.3. Nice. Yeah. Um, Amulet Titan. This this was pretty cool. There was like just a handful of people on it, but one of them made the top eight. Yes. And it is someone who has written an 80-page guide yes, on how to play this deck. 32,000 words on how to play Amulet Titan. Which, if you're like, what does that deck do? <laughs> well, the answer is there's 80,000 words that you need to describe it. <laughs> Yeah, this player, uh, Dominic Harvey, wound up in our top eight um, and made it very, very far in the top eight. And we were wondering if he wasn't going to take the whole thing down because Amulet Titans match up against Monogreen Tron, which made up three people had that in our top eight, um, is extremely favorable for Amulet Titan, but um, didn't make it all the way to the finals. I will say also... So he, the story of how he ended up in the top eight is wild. Yes, it is. So this deck did not have, like the last one, there was not a clean cut. There were not, there was one player, um, Javier Dominguez, who got like the 13 wins needed, right? Yes. And then everyone else was just like this, because there were some draws. It was this sloppy mess. It was a sloppy mess <laughs> it was to cut a the sloppy top sloppy mess. And going into it, it was like, oh, there's a lot of matchups with people who are paired, who have 11 wins, and they will, it, they'll get into the top, right? The winner of that match will get into the top eight. And Dominic Harvey was in one of those matches, but it was the one where those two players had abysmal tiebreakers, right? So it was looking like... M- of them, you know, four will get in and one will be left out. And it will probably be this one that Dominic Harvey is in, unfortunately for them, right? That person will end right. up ninth because the tiebreakers are just so bad. Except we watched on stream as a match that was four top eight. Yep. Winning in. Winning in and it went to a, a draw. Winning in and it went to a draw, including Canadian player Alexander Hain, winner of PT Avison Restored back in the day. Yeah, and it was his birthday too. It was it was absolutely I mean that game itself was absolutely wild. Um Tr- uh Hayne was on Mono Green Tron. Yep. And the other player uh, who I believe was a Chinese player was on um Rakdos Scam or Rakdos Evoke. Yep. And like it really it seemed like that player was going to get it except that then they had a one ring with a bunch of burden counters on it that was draining them and then Hayne managed to get an ensnaring bridge into play so that this player couldn't even attack him anymore and it was like it it swung back and forth so much to like oh like Hayne is dead 
right? This Rakdos scam player has so many of Hayne's cards in play that yeah. he's he's stolen with this Voidwalker. And then Hayne being like, nope, never mind. I've stabilized. There's now no way you can win to the commentators being like, actually, there's like some really weird workarounds that this player could do to like try and destroy this ensnaring bridge by like making it a creature in weird ways. It was it was absolutely wild. I think that when they had gone to turns mm-hmm. and um, I think that sometimes in these situations, it's beneficial to both players if one of them makes a top eight, right? Yeah. Because maybe there's some kind of like situation they can work out after the uh, the event or whatever. Like we drew, but you Hi- made it Highly in. illegal during. <laughs> yes. You can't do it during the event. Um, but like, obviously one of them wants to make top eight, right? Yeah. But there was literally no way to be able to have that conversation and be like, if I had two more turns, it was pretty obvious I would have won. Yeah. But well, and you hear them saying that to each other. Yeah. Right? Of like, they can try and like persuade the other person to concede. Right. But also, I get it, man. Right. Of like, what would, Maria, what would you do? So I've been in this situation before, believe it or not. Not for the top eight of a pro tour, <laughs> but for day two of a GP mm-hmm. um, back in the day. And my opponent persuaded me to concede uh, uh, because there was no true benefit to a, either of us just taking a draw. And that was that's one of my sad stories of Magic because I did not want to concede to this person and I yeah. felt pressured into it yeah. because I think I had the case that I would have won. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was in the spot and I laid down, I laid down my sword. And I regret it to this day. I should have stayed up and fought for it, but I didn't. This is this is a while ago at a limited GP, I want to say. But anyway. That's how I feel also. And I feel like part of that is also like our gendered experience of magic. Absolutely. Is that I have absolutely felt pressured to concede by players. And it did not feel strictly based on the game. It very much felt based on yeah. their perception. And I... I think like I identified for myself when the times that it happened that I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm feeling like this is about me being like a femme person in front of you playing magic and have just been like, I did it once for also playing for day two of a GP. Yeah. And the guy was like, well, you can see it. And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, absolutely not. No, no, I will not. You're super freaking welcome too. like if you. Like, especially because it feels like those players in that moment expected of you. I, like, this is what I mean by the gendered aspect. They expected of you, but they would not consider it for you. Correct. Right. As soon as you you say no, they're like, well, then we're drawing. And it's like, oh, it's really interesting that you think that it's worthwhile to ask me to do it, but you will not spend any time considering if it's worthwhile for you to do it for me. Yeah. And I think at the time, um, too, that players' friends were standing behind me and all that kind of stuff. So that yeah. was pressure. I felt that pressure. And nowadays, I would say if I found myself in a similar situation, I would ask a judge to come over to the table so I could like take a step back yeah. and just get some air and think about it and not feel so much peer pressure in that moment to do the thing that that player wanted me to do just because they think that it's my responsibility to give them a win in this situation because of my gender. Yeah. So do you know what? Maria and I are here saying, do you know what? We always empower you to just be like we're drawing yep even if look, it benefits nobody <laughs> look me in the eyes we're drawing okay <laughs> so that was a pretty uh just like just really really unusual end yeah. to the swiss portion of the tournament apps it was it was absolutely wild and i know this tournament was so early in the morning everybody for everyone back in the states um 
we started like at four and five in the morning for the broadcast. So maybe you missed a lot of this drama, but that's why we're here for you. Yeah. Letting you know what you should go back and check out. Also just looking really quickly, like we were saying at some of those um, more popular decks, because we mm-hmm. talked about some really successful decks that only had a handful of players on them. One of the most successful popular decks here was the Teamer Rhinos deck. Yes. Team Rhinos did really good. Yeah. 56% win rate. And that's the first one that we see a lot of players on that has that high of a win rate. Everything else that's above it is stuff that it's only two players maybe. Right. Exactly. And Team Rhinos with that 56%, I think answers the question of like, what is the correct deck to have brought this past weekend? Yeah. I think Team Rhinos was the answer because the deck under it with the next best win percentage with a higher percentage of the field playing it was four color rhinos at 55.4. Yep, exactly. Then is when we hit um, Mono Green Tron. Yep. Also a good choice for the weekend. Yeah. 54.6. And then right below it is Rakdos of Oak. 54.2. So, so yeah, it, it looks like Rhinos was the deck to play. Uh, Tron a close second and Evoke a close third. You know, and Rhinos did. We saw multiple copies, right? That was the next most popular deck in the top eight. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It was Mono Green Tron and Rhinos there with the most players on them. Yeah, there's three Rhinos players, three Tron players in our top eight. Yep, and then we had the one Evoke player and then the one Amulet Titan player. Yeah. And it was really cool because... Rhinos was not a deck that was on my radar. I don't think we even talked about it the week before no, the PT. we didn't. We talked about Living End, which is, you know, a close friend to, yes. to Rhinos. It's doing but the same where you same want to cascade yeah. uh, into, into Crashing Footfalls, which just puts some Rhinos, puts two 4-4 four, four Rhinos into play. And where Rhinos has the upper hand on a deck like Living End is it is not able to put out as much power onto the board as Living End is. However, it is not as susceptible to the grave to graveyard hate like Living yeah. End is. So it has that, a lot, you know, it has a lot more versatility going on. It has right. other ways to win the game. Exactly. So let's talk about what actually ended up happening in our top eight. Um, yeah. The players, we had Javier Dominguez, hometown hero. Yeah. Uh, in our top eight on Mono Green Tron. So Team Handshake, which has been the most successful team at a bunch of these pro tours recently, a bunch of the young up-and-comers did, uh, did well putting two players into the top eight here in yeah. Javier Dominguez. Um, and, uh, and Simon Nielsen. Yeah. Simon Nielsen also notably, I mean, we talk a lot about Nathan Sawyer because he's been on a freaking hot streak. Yeah. This is Simon Nielsen's back-to-back top eight. Yes, it is. Simon Nielsen is doing really, really well. Yeah. Um, this weekend we talked to him and he was like, oh yeah, I've already qualified for the world championship. I'm just going to come and hang out at this tournament. I don't have any expectations. And then he was undefeated for most of the tournament. Yeah, he, he went 12 <laughs> rounds. 12 and 0. Nice. Before picking up a lot. And his first loss was scooping to Javier. Yeah. He just scooped to his teammate to help yeah. him get into the top eight. So Javier was there in Spain, showing people around, having a good time, being pro tour dad for a bunch of people on <laughs> Team Handshake, uh, making it into our top eight with Tron. And then teammate Simon Nielsen also on Tron. Our other Tron player was none other than Christian Calcano, Ugh. who, if you've watched old pro tours, you know Christian. Um, he is such a great, lovely human being, always yeah. nice and happy to be around and had not been to the pro tour in a while. Yeah. He had, he is someone who used to be like a staple of the pro tour. Yeah. You know, was, see him was all always the time. there. He's struggled to qualify in kind of like the, since the COVID era of magic began, but this was the first one that he qualified for. And then he made it all the way. He was in the finals. 
He made it all the way to the finals. A lot of people really rooting for him just because he's a beloved grinder on the scene. Mm-hmm. And we we're excited to see him come back to the Pro Tour. So Christian Calcano was our third Tron player. Yeah. We mentioned Dominic Harvey of Canada on Amulet Titan. And um, Jake Beardsley was our Rakdos Evoke player. Yeah. It- Jake Beardsley also playing in his very first Pro Tour. Yes. Um like playing, he tested with the team Sanctum of All. Yep. Which is the one that has a lot of players like Rain Burchett is on it. Um, Arya is on it, right? This is a team that says like, hey, if you're looking for a pro tour team, if you're looking for a testing team, you are always welcome on Sanctum of All, which I think is just really lovely. And Jake had some really nice things to say about testing with those really great players. Absolutely. And it was Jake's birthday weekend as yeah. well. A lot of birthdays going around this pro tour First pro tour, first top eight. You love to see it. Yeah. Underdog and story. Also, it was really cute because like it, he was one of the people that they, that you talked to on Thursday about being at their first pro tour. And he's like, oh yeah, like I'm, I like, I'm a sub to Gabe Nassif's stream. Yeah. Like I love watching Gabe and he's like, they were like, oh, what's one thing that you would love to do? And he's like, oh man, if I like, if I could play Gabe, like that would be pretty sweet. And like he did play Gabe and beat him. Live your <laughs> dreams. Live your dreams. Right? Pretty great. Somebody else who had a hero story was Christian Calcano, who wanted to play Kai Buda, one of the most winningest players of all time in Magic history. And yeah. Kai Buda made it into our top eight, and Christian Calcano got a chance to play him in the quarterfinals. Yeah. So cool. It was also really amazing. I mean, this is the fourth decade of play that Kai has had a top eight in. That's incredible. Because he had his first like world's top eight in 1999. Can I ask you this? How many people can say they have achieved the pinnacle of their career in four separate decades? I mean, <laughs> I don't think very many people can say that. Tiger Woods. Is that true? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't follow I don't the game of golf. It's true. I don't know if it's true. Tom Cruise. <laughs> okay. Is that true? I think probably. Tom Cruise is. It's probably so, up there. Kai Buddha, Tom Cruise, same footing. Being I'm called saying, the Tom Cruise of your... Of your profession. <laughs> in ter- wait, in terms of artist, in terms of achievement. Yeah, and, achievement. Exactly. Not being the Tom... Not just being the generic Tom Cruise. <laughs> and to round out the top eight, we had two Italian players, Marco Del Pivo and Stefano Vinci, both playing Team Rhinos. Yeah. But in the end, there could be only one. Yeah. And you could see also, it was apparent watching this, like Tron just has a good matchup against Rhinos, it looked like. Yeah. When yeah, we were it watching did. this, it was like, yep, this, in at least in that top eight, you could just kind of see it. The winner of the whole thing was none other than the person in their first pro tour on their birthday weekend, Jake Beardsley, who took down Christian Calcano in the finals. It oh. was an epic finals, everybody. It went to it went to five games. Went to five games, full five games. Yeah. And if you need a recommendation of something to watch in the pro tour because you didn't catch it because it was not in your time zone, we recommend game four of the finals. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the full finals is worth watching. It is. I agree. Some of the games are over quite fast. Like game three, game three, we got to see uh, uh, Jake Beardsley cast a turn three Ulamog. Turn three Ulamog. That belonged to Christian Calcano. How often do you get to see a turn three Ulamog? Not often. No, not often at all. It was, it was so spicy. (laughs) Okay. So Eugene, the spirit dragon, um, I just want to point out that some we called it like our card of the round one mm-hmm. round when we were talking about the news desk. And I tell you what, it took every fiber of my being to say Ugin the spirit dragon and not Eugene. Yep. I, I just wanted to let you all know that. Um, I'm really proud of you. 
thank you. Yeah. Uh, but game game four of the finals was so intense. It was so back and forth. There were Ugh. minuscule decisions that had to be made for, to give Christian a chance when it felt like he had absolutely no chance in this universe. I was at the news desk with Mind Devuti, magic enjoyer, uh, and I I thought he was going to have a heart attack sitting next to me when we were we were <laughs> just feet from the feature match area and we were watching this happen and I I thought he was literally going to die <laughs> on the chair two inches away from me because of watching this match was so intense yeah uh, so I recommended everyone it was it was absolutely incredible magic like uh, both players played exceptionally well in the finals um, but watching Christian Calcano navigate that game four was. It was incredible. He made yeah. some incredible decisions. Yeah. So truly go check it out. If you're somebody who likes to watch high stakes magic, that match is one of, I think will go down in history as one of the all timers. Yeah, so absolutely. Go peep it if you haven't already. Maria. All yes. right. Before we wrap up. Yeah. Barcelona, the city. Yes. Give me your highlights. Okay. So we uh, going into this weekend, we told you we love Barcelona. We're Barcelona fans. It's one of the best cities to visit. Absolutely. Um, we didn't do too much touristy stuff this time because we had done it previously. We did go to the beach for a couple of days, hung out. That was awesome. Amazing. So definitely one of my highlights, beaching it up. We also had a fantastic um, number of dinners in Barcelona because the food just doesn't miss. Ugh. It just does not miss. If you're in Barcelona, we're, I'm going to recommend – I mean – Every place, like we went so many places that were amazing, but we went a place called Sarah 23, C-E-R-A 23. Oh, yeah. That was like, I was floored. And every single thing that we ate, I was floored. By. It was a new mouth delight. Every dish. It was incredible. <sighs> we had so, so much great sangria. Food. So good sangria. Such good sangria. Like it was just such a great time. We spent one full day just sitting. I spent one full day on the, on the beach. Megan was there, dawn to dusk. L- literally, I sat on the beach for like eight hours straight. Yeah, <laughs> or was in the ocean. It was amazing. It's my dream. Um, so I, I also just loved uh, our hotel. Had a roof on the p- a pool on the roof, uh, not a roof on the pool. <laughs> it's a different thing. A pool on the roof. Um, and you just could, got to swim under the Barcelona sun in this pool on the roof. Um, which was just uh, that was a highlight for me for sure. Um, and those fabulous dinners we had. So I good. did not get a chance to go to the marquee event of the tournament, which was DJ Elijah Wood spinning records on the beach. I did but go. But Megan did. I saw DJ Elijah and it was it was great. The mu- It was really funny because the, their music is just like vibes. And I think <laughs> a lot of people were like, this is not what I, this is not like dance this music. This is weird. <laughs> But you know what? I was super freaking into it. Absolutely. It was so cool. Oh, and the um like the big kind of like set piece of Magic Con Barcelona was Bilbo's birthday party. And it was so cute. They had a giant cake. Like a huge cake. It was like beautiful. It was like all this greenery and like picnic tables to play magic at. Oh. It was it was so cute. I think that it seems like overall people just had a blast at this magic con. It was very well set up. Um, like you said, the, the little hobbit area that they had was so cute. Oh, so cute. Tons of area to play magic in. So much. Pro tour next door. You know, I, I would call it a super success for them. It, it was, was yeah. it was a great event. It was outstanding. Um, yeah. So, so great. We also, we went to a really cool record store. We went yeah, to we the did. cutest little vintage like camera store 
And that we is got like, some Polaroid stuff. Oh, that was one of my new favorite stores that I've ever been to. It, yeah, was, it was so a, tiny. It was really good. But it was like tons of like modern camera stuff, but then tons of like vintage camera pieces. Oh, it was it was so cool. I really loved it. So the next thing we're going to do, everybody, is be in Las Vegas for MagicCon Las Vegas, which is happening September 22nd through the 24th. And that's going to have the World Championship at it. So we're going to be working at the World Championship. But MagicCon Las Vegas will be there happening at the same time. And it's yeah. not over Halloween weekend this year. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. That I would was, not emotionally be able to handle uh, Vegas at Halloween again. a lot of people in a lot of costumes. Um, but so, uh, you know, if you're looking forward to coming to a, vet, a magic event, I think that one will be a real blast. And there have yeah. been a lot of lessons learned as far as what to do at these events since last year's Vegas, which, you know, they learned about expanding the command zone and all this yeah. other kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, really I'm super excited. We honestly hope to see you there. Like these events have been really, really, really cool. I love the new way that they've taken the experience of traveling to a place to play magic these yes, days. I think too. that they've they've made some really incredible changes and improvements. Hey, everybody. That's this episode of Good Luck High Five. Thank you for hanging out with us and going through everything that happened at Pro Tour of the Lord of the Rings in beautiful Barcelona. Next week, we'll go over all of the new stuff that was announced at Barcelona. We've got uh, Caverns of Ixalan. We've got Eldrain, the Wilds oh. of Eldrain. Doctor We've Who. we got Doctor Who. We'll get into it next week. And it's all yeah. super cool. So much <laughs> so. cool stuff to talk about. <laughs> I am ready to nerd out next oh. week about all the new stuff coming up. Same. And hopefully we will be back in the office, fingers crossed. Yes. Thank you to everybody who makes this show happen every week at patreon.com slash Magic. Truly, 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 you make our lives every time you become a new patron or increase your pledge. We'll dedicate an episode to you and we'd love to do so next week. So get in before our next episode. Yeah. Uh, thank you again to Card Kingdom, a wonderful sponsor. Congratulations again to their union. Yay, Card Kingdom. We're so happy for you all, for all you union members. Um, you know, and we'll see you, you know, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. 